Well, welcome back to DevCast, and today is a live recording with with a live audience, or of course, or only five or six. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, today I will talk with two guys about culture, not software development, or maybe software development. So I have Neil Merrigan here, welcome, and Chris Klug. Yes, hello. Klug, Klug, Klug. The first thing is t- how do you pronounce your name? <laughs> it's always a bit tricky, I think. But yours are always okay. Yeah, mine is Niall. Um, Niall. It's the English version of the Irish name, which kind of makes people, especially in Norway, it gets a bit confusing for them. So they, it gets a number of different variations mm-hmm. as I go. And yeah, it's one of those like really odd names. Yeah. And well, you have, s- uh, yeah, uh, don't be quiet, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's continue. Who are you? Um, I'm a s- managing consultant with Capgemini in Norway, and I'm an ASP.NET MVP, uh, Azure Insider, ASP Insider, member of a number of developer advisory councils, and I generally can be found roaming through Norway, Sweden, and the Nordics shouting about security. Mm. Um, I have been uh, in Norway for the last seven years now, and I have worked in Ireland and Australia before that. And yeah, just... Why, why do you stay in Norway now? Um, I'm not, not allowed Sweden, to leave. Right? I'm not allowed to leave. Okay. Um, my wife says I'm not allowed to go, and she took the GPS away. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how to get home. Um, but she, uh, no, it, uh, I've settled in Norway. I have a, a wife and kid there now. So it's, and it's, it suits my lifestyle and the way I want to live, actually, to be honest. And uh, going back to Ireland right now probably wouldn't work out too well. So you really like the Lusikofta? Squeeze me? Lusikofta. You know no, the. I, I, I have no <laughs> idea what that is. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's the first thing you learn when you go to Norway. I the first thing you buy. The it's first a knitted shirt. A knitted <laughs> shirt. <laughs> no, the first thing I bought was the scariest pri- uh, costing coffee I've ever seen. <laughs> I, to give it, to give you an example, I came from South Africa when um, up to New Ze- up to Norway, and there is eight rands to the euro and about eight kroner to the euro. And I'd come from where it cost me one kroner, one Norwegian kroner, <coughs> excuse me, for a cup of coffee, to going to a place where it cost me 30. And I went, oh boy, <laughs> this might be a little bit more expensive. And she says, we're going for two cheap coffees. 37 kroner later, I'm kind of going, honey, I could have bought most of Africa for this. <laughs> <laughs> I actually bought dinner, three steaks, and a small kangaroo. No, that was in Australia. Um, some uh, things in South Africa. And she goes, well, welcome to Norway. Blame the oil. Y- yes, they invented the oil, apparently. <laughs> Chris, <laughs> yes. uh, you are a Swede, but you have been uh, living in New Zealand. Yes. Is it because of Tolkien and Hobbit? You look like... Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I look like, like a I, hobbit. I look like a little, little hobbit. Um, that, no, Not that, a little hobbit. No, a big hobbit. Um, no, actually, it, I knew very little or I had no interest in that, to be perfectly honest, before moving down. I moved down because uh, they promised um, 16 knots of wind all year round. And as I do kiteboarding, 16 knots is like the perfect wind. Uh, so I moved down there and expected blue skies, sun, and 16 knots, and got uh, gray skies, sideways rain, and 32 knots of wind. Wellington, where I lived, is an interesting place. Okay. Okay, guys, should we talk about culture? It's a really interesting topic, I think, because uh, we Swedes, we think we are the best, and of course we are the best. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and we know everything about how to create software in a good way, how to manage people, and so on. But maybe it's not so. Or what do you think, Neil? Well, one of the things, having worked around the world, it's it's amazing the different cultural differences out there that 
it just you don't see until you actually have worked in the organization. Because we think we are an international work well, crowd now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because, you know, how many of us program by uh, searching the internet for finding, and you find this random piece of code by some guy in X country, and you go, oh, cool, and off it goes. So when I, I was working um, in Australia for the first time, one of the things I noticed was there was a little bit different uh, work culture. You could turn up in shorts and a T-shirt, for example, in comparison to a suit. Um, it was quite weird to turn up in a suit. And that, you know, f come five o'clock, everyone headed to the beach. You know, in Ireland, it would be everyone headed to the pub, for example. But it's... What do you do in Norway at five o'clock? Um, I'm at home on the couch because I've been home since three o'clock. <laughs> it's one of those things. I don't go out and buy coffee, I can tell you that much. Um, the, the, the thing I found that the cultural differences uh, strike me more uh, when you actually go in-country as compared to working on uh, with an international team. And... As I said, when I moved first down to Australia, um, things like, for example, keyboard layouts got me. Oh, we can take talk about keyboard layouts for half an hour. <laughs> oh, we won't, because it, that, they're not that interesting. <laughs> But the thing of saying, okay, we're going to hire this very uh, experienced developer, rocks in, sits down, I want you to write a quick query, and I'm like going, da da da, and I'm, ooh. Where's the at symbol? Or where is the star? Or any of the like, common punctuation marks just moved around? And you, programmers don't realize this, but you have such muscle memory in your fingers that all of a sudden, if we move your keyboard, it's the most, by the way, it's the most dangerous thing you can do to anyone, change their keyboard layout and watch them freak out. Um, and, you know, we, You, you, you automatically go from being, hi, I'm a rock store programmer, to hi, I'm a junior again, and I don't know how to type. I'm sure you found the same thing, Chris, when you went down to yeah, New Zealand. I, I yeah, did. Chris, I, I, was your I went from <laughs> Swedish. Swe Swedish to English keyboard. That was an interesting move. And then I had that brilliant idea that I'm just going to keep my Swedish keyboard on my Swedish laptop at home and have an English one at work. Uh, that's no good. That's, <laughs> that is not something I recommend. So I pretty quickly actually ordered a new keyboard for my laptop and switched it and got all in on English keyboards. And they do make sense from a, from a development point of view. You have your brackets and everything in, in much better places than you have on a Swedish keyboard. Yeah, I think that's a very, uh, very strange thing that it's rather uh, hard to, to write C-sharp C yeah. code in Swedish. You know the little... You know that? Yeah, yeah, I've seen that, that's I, I definitely <laughs> can't... I definitely and if number. you have a Mac, it's even harder. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, I definitely can't write C-sharp code in Swedish. <laughs> 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 so, uh, but uh, what's, how do uh, the Chinese people write code? They write it upside down, or does it? Or do you know? Uh, this is one of those things. When I first moved up to Norway, I was quite surprised to see Norwegian names in variable names, and it was. I yeah, know everyone's like going, "Well, you know, I'm assuming. We can do I, it, I, I so assume in Sweden do. you do the exact same thing. Nope. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> some people do, some don't. It's an interesting debate. Because <laughs> <laughs> for me, I I was there and I go, okay, um, you had like Var Brukenaven, and I was like, what's a Brukenavnen? Very. Um, I'm gonna try and do my Texas drawl. It doesn't work that well. Um, but it was very confusing to kind of see that, and especially if they use Norwegian characters and you mm. try and offshore that, it's impossible because the like where the offshoring industry is is mostly in India. They don't have those on the keyboards, and it's, it proves to be quite a difficult thing. But it's because localization, if you have a company where the developers don't natively speak English or it's not part of their culture, they will write in the local language, and that 
makes international developers a bit confused, uh, especially like myself. Well, I'm easily confused. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. In Sweden, I assume, do you have that? or? Um, so some people <laughs> do write with Swedish uh, variable I think it names. was more common 10 years ago or something. Yeah, yeah. We, we still debate it at work. And in some I projects, we do actually use Swedish names. I don't, but some do because there are certain expressions in that project or those projects that we can't really translate to English. And in those cases, we don't do a weird translation that we make up. We actually do go for Swedish names. But I would never, ever, it doesn't happen. And if I were to do it, it would be without the punctuation, the little mm. or uh, mm. that you don't have anywhere else. What, what about uh, comments? How do you do? Did, like I, I noticed this because you know how many of you, I, how many of us comment code? Um, we I have this expression. I think it was Martin Fowler attributed to him. He said, um, you know, any idiot can write a code a computer can read, but can you write code a, a human can read? Mm. And if you're, if you're commenting your code, you're doing it wrong. It's Uncle Bob that says that. It's not the two schools of thought. You know, <laughs> if I need to comment my code, I've written it wrong because yeah. you can't understand it. I write comments in my code to remind me that I've tried three different things before yeah. I had to do this because of something. But like I've seen comments in very odd nor English translations, like with random words just thrown in. Uh, it's it's very odd. It's it comments, especially in code, especially when they're localized to the local language as an international developer, can prove quite tricky. You know, so. uh, I think 10 or 15 years ago, we had something called Word Basic in uh, Word and Excel Basic and so on. Oh, wow. And where in that code, we translated also the keywords. They do that in Excel. Still? Yes. yes. Excel, the Norwegian version of Excel, yeah. uses instead of the word if, uses this. Yeah, they do and, the same and thing. And it screws too. every... It's like, you know... I think it's Microsoft proving to be the most perverted company at times. They're going, you know what we're going to do? We're going to screw with everyone's head and write it in the local language and give you keywords in the local language. I think they do a search and replace for all strings in the application. Do they? That, that, will, that would explain it, though. <laughs> I, honestly, I, I was... Because it's, it's the reason why, for example, you'll get Excel workbooks with macros built in that can't be used in, um, in international environments unless they are set to ENUS, for example. Um, if they're set to NBNO, um, the thing breaks. I saw one of the Twitter sentiments for the BI samples, for example, does that. It has to be set yeah. to ENUS. And it's but if, really we, if, we don't, if we remove the comments and so on, can we see... Uh, what kind of culture, what kind of language, the, the speaking language a developer has when they write the code? I, I would say no. The, the, well, it, it kind of depends. Uh, I would say pretty much what I've seen, the code that Swedes write compared to the codes that New Zealanders write and compared to the code that it's I think... It's upside American, down. Yeah. <laughs> compared to what the Americans write, I cannot see code and determine where the developer is. I, I can add, this is going to be really politically incorrect, but once in a while you'll see code coming out of offshoring countries and you'll see that they're from there because they can't spell and uh, variables are spelled wrong and method names are spelled. But I, I must admit, I can't see a difference between developers in different countries. There, there's very little in the, when everyone goes back to English, they all have the same kind of variable names. You'll yeah. see what you want. Maybe the methods are longer or maybe no, they are, are, are... I think that comes back to maybe the developers themselves. You can actually probably tell the age of the developers yeah. from the code rather than the actual location of them. Because, you know, as we learn to type, we start with var i. 
you know, for for each i in j, for example. And as we get better at uh, counting and uh, being able to type, etc., we we become more elaborate in our naming of our code, and and stuff becomes more consistent as well. Uh, I see that in junior developers' codes, it, it the code is just whatever I thought that day versus a strict naming convention that has been built up over years. And if you want to really, another way to mess with programmers is change the naming convention that they have to adhere to in code and watch them go, <sighs> get very upset. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's that, that, that part of the dialect, I think, is actually... Which is really interesting that we had Hungarian notation. Oh, yeah. What's Hungarian? Why? It's a, it's a language. Was it was the, from the... I don't was know it? where it actually comes from. I know. Oh, okay. I just know you've got camel case Hungarian and... Pascal. The Pascal notation as well. And just... And snake. Snake, snake? casing. Snake casing, yeah. Oh, tell me about that. Uh, it, it's... I think it's a JavaScript thing. It's just bite you in that. No, it, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> you add, I think snake is when you add an underscore between each word uh, oh. and things like that. that so just, there, that are, just there are a few more <laughs> in the weirder languages. I like think snake uh, must be some from Australia. So yeah, exactly. All the snakes. <laughs> some do you have kangaroo do you, no, notation? Actually, do you know what? I was partly thinking it was a Nokia notation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like part of their snake thing. But no, but, it, it uh, is that. How is it to, to be a software developer in different cultures? Uh, we are always talking about the manager and the the suits and the yeah the environment and so on. But that that's the thing that that's what I think changes the most is what I saw change the most in New Zealand was it's not so much the developers for they're just as geeky there as they're here they they still like Star Wars or Star Trek and they still watch Doctor Who and but do you work more or less? Work wise, New Zealand was very very similar to to Sweden. There was no difference whatsoever. Uh, the main difference was actually after work. As soon as you left work, you would go and do other things. You'd hit the pub or something like that, which is different from Swedish. But if you start looking at, as you said, the managers uh, having to try to fit into a dress code, which for me is a major issue. Uh, Dressing is a major issue. Yeah, for yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> just getting clothes on is a major issue. Um, and s- some other things, things like I wasn't allowed to email customers. Because um, I apparently emailed a customer with that was just Nile playing with the microphone. Um, Sorry. So after emailing clients in English version of my Swedish emails, I was told that I was rude, and I can tell you I'm not I'm not rude for being Swedish, but apparently being New Zealand, asking for them to do something like I need this information would start out with hi how are you hope everything is fine hope your weekend was good I had this thought that mm-hmm. if maybe you had potentially a few minutes that you didn't have anything else to do you could maybe go and get me this information I'm like that's the longest email in the world instead of saying hi can I have this information so all my emails had to go through my manager for a, a, a period of time that, that's funny I had some other similar kind of experience in that because there's a huge thing in business English uh, versus kind of casual English. And um, coming up to Norway, um, where people were translating directly, and I'm like, you can't send it that way to an English-speaking person. And they're going, why? It's just a question. I said, yeah, but there's this dance you've got to do first, and you've got to kind of... You really uh, need to do a dance? I have yeah. never done it. No, I'm not, I'm not doing one here. But it, <laughs> um, no, but the, the, the thing was, uh, like, having... In Norway, I found it a bit uh, quite interesting that you would f- it would be a bit more direct. They've less just kind of, yeah, can I get this? And it was also, to go on with Chris and the managerial structures and stuff like that, um, in working in an Irish environment, it was, quite, it was quite hierarchical. You had a manager and stuff like that. But there was still that sense of it was okay to kind of, if you needed to go higher than your manager overstep, you could do it. But you had to be careful. 
in Norway, it's a case of, uh, yeah, I need to talk to the boss, boss, boss. Fine, go talk to the boss, boss, boss. It's not that. It's a bit more kind of, as we say, flat hierarchical. It's it, The title doesn't mean as much. It's a, okay, if I need to get an answer, I'll go ask the person rather than trying to root it through and generate more work for someone else. Yeah. Is you it know? okay to, to um, uh, what call it, critique uh, other codes? in uh, how, how is that done? I, we hear that diff- uh, some cultures, they, they can't uh, say something bad about yeah, the, uh, you've, going you've, you've around. You've, you've, got, you've got the traditional um, kind of, um, the, what was it, the famous one with the Korean uh, airlines where the captain couldn't be criticized by the first officer even though they knew the captain was wrong. And is it, it the just same as software development? <laughs> no, we we must tell other developers that someone's code is pa- bad at the lunch break instead. And co- no, I'm just kidding. Uh, the al- it's, the always a, it's always kind of hard thing to do. It is really hard to con- critique someone else's code. Well, like we, is it we d- and it's a difference between different cultures, or do you think it's always? I bad? think it's. I think it's always. Mm-hmm. To me, it's always mm-hmm. dif- difficult. difficult. I I have an issue doing it both with Swedish developers and. Uh, New Zealand developers and American developers is not a big difference. Um, it kind of depends the situation. If there's a, I think that's where a clear hierarchy makes it a little bit easier. Because mm. if I know that I'm supposed to be a mentor or a, a senior developer versus a junior developer, it's it's sort of unspoken that I can basically go and say your stuff is not great. You should be doing this. While in a flat hierarchy where everyone is supposed to be the same, it becomes a touchy subject. It was one of those things I, I've I've seen when I've done uh, development reviews with with different development teams, and one of the, one of the things we implemented before was whereby it had we did a code review and we would draw names out rather than someone saying um, you know I'm going to get Chris to review Nile. It would be more okay today it's actually Nile's going to review Chris even though it might not make sense. But what we found was that certain people when you ask them a question of why your code why did you do that take it very defensively rather than just as saying hi I really don't understand what you did here can you explain that now if you ask it like that. Most people go, oh, okay. And I saw people like getting, no, I, d- I don't understand why you're questioning me on the, why you use this if statement here. I'm like, I just don't understand why it's there. Can you explain the logic? And then once you get past that. But we see this in uh, as maturity of developers as well. They, some developers get very touchy about their code. They're very protective of it. There's others who I think like myself who just like to say, ah, code's done. You can now have it. Um, please don't screw it up. <laughs> But if you do, my rates are good. You know, it, uh, I think that's what it comes down to. And uh, we've seen it with cul- some cultures are more restricted in what they can say up. They have to, like I've dealt with Italian uh, companies before, and they're quite hierarchical and structured. And where I've had to nearly go over a mountain to talk to a, pre- a person on the uh, on the other side because I've had to go to the manager, to the next manager, to the next manager, and then down the hill again. And that proved to be quite difficult because I'm used to just, like Chris would say, you know, just email the customer and then be told, no, you're not allowed to do that. Your manager has to do it. I think it's because you couldn't spell it. A step further, then, uh, is uh, the agile movement, agile methodologies, more is better in different cultures, or have you any experience with that? I, I, to be honest, I think the agile movements are much more prevalent and work really well in the Nordics because of the way that the uh, Scandics and the Nordics people think. They're a bit more kind of open to the idea that no one has a real role, but if someone steps up as a leader, we can all follow them. Rather than saying, okay, Chris, you've got the most experience here today. You're going to be in charge. And Chris goes, I don't know how to do this. I don't, Niall, you know this. This is your baby. You do it. And I found that 
very refreshing, to be honest, having coming up uh, where you have this, okay, hi, I'm the person with the most experience, therefore I am in charge, versus, hi, I'm the person with the most experience in this particular project on this particular tech, therefore I should take lead. Because then you don't have that kind of, um, I was going to say krangling, which is Norwegian, but the uh, kind of struggling to get the power struggle. I find that with the alpha geek uh, personalities that exists, and it brings us back to what we heard this morning, you know, on the 10% achievers, 80% social type of idea. Um, I, I, I don't like the idea. I like the Swedish version as well, where somebody can take ownership of it because they want to. Because my issue is I have no interest whatsoever in leading teams. Um, but having done this for 15 years and generally being the most senior developer on projects. And the longest. Uh, and the lo- longest and biggest and, and yeah. Least amount, least amount of hair. Yeah. Um, I tend to be the obvious Tomlet. choice for lead developer and, and project manage and take care of the rest of the team, but I make it a point of saying I'm not doing that. So I, I have no problem having younger developer, more inexperienced developers manage me when it comes to the management part because I just want to do my thing. And in New Zealand, that was a massive problem because there, mm. there was a path of, of your career where you came in, you were a senior, so, so junior developer, midweight, senior project manager. And to me, that doesn't exist, so I just want to leave it off. And in Sweden, that's not a big problem. I can just drop the ball and let someone pick it up, while in New Zealand... I had to make a big fuss of it, and luckily I was a good friend with my my boss's boss's boss, I think it was. So I talked to him, and he basically said, we're going to carve out a new career path because it doesn't work. But if I hadn't been able to do that, I would probably have been a project manager today. But that, isn't, it, isn't that the kind of uh, the traditional thing of saying, you know, I was such a good developer, they made me a manager? Yeah. You know, that... and. You know, why did you take your good developers away? We made them managers. It's one of the things I noticed as well with the agile movement and how we work in general. If you've got someone who really wants the job, give it to them because yeah. they, they're really going to want it. You know, it's you're, if you're lucky, you've only got one person trying to get that job. But I think, like as you said, you know, people were saying, "Why are you taking a step back in your career ladder?" I said, "Because I like where I am and I like what I'm doing and I'm very good at it." So. Uh, is it different b- between the, uh, the the career to to do to 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 move up in the something? Is it very different in different cultures? Oh yeah, there's yeah. Uh, there's there's. Um, uh, I work a lot with Indian offshore companies, and we find that they've got a lot more steps up the ladder, and they will move quicker through jobs, um, mainly because they want to get up and go stuff. Because you know, a lot of places, the only way to actually get up the ladder is to leave and then come back or something like that. And career progression is important for some cultures. It's less important for others. Uh, it depends on where you are and what you want to do. Chris, um, what do you think in uh, in the Swedish context? I, I think in Sweden, it's yes, by choosing not to lead teams and be a manager, it, it probably hurts my career. But I don't really care because I don't like doing it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I don't do it. But... It's not such a big deal because the main thing for me is, is kind of interesting in Sweden that you get paid for what you do and who you are and, and what you bring to the table while a lot of under, other com- countries where you have that hierarchical thing, moving up the hierarchies is really important because you get paid based on your title mm. um, and that would be the only reason that I would transition somewhere it was that if that hindered me from getting paid for what I do, I would have to do it. But in Sweden, I don't have that, that 
thing. It's, I can just do what I want to do and people, the companies will still pay me and still treat me with respect, even though I, I'm going to be a code monkey for the rest of my life. And that's a huge thing I see um, with the Nordics. There's a large amount of respect within the organization for the people and what they do. Like they, One of the things, the first question I was asked when I came to Norway, what would you like to work with? And I was like, um, um, I don't know. <laughs> and they go, what do you mean you don't know? I says, I've never been asked. You've been a software developer for 20 years, and you, you've been only asked now? So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's a very odd scenario to be coming from a place where they say, right, if you want a job, you've got to do this. Okay, I'll do that. Versus, hi, we'd like to employ you, and we would like to employ you to do the stuff you like to do. What do you like to do? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really odd uh, thing coming up to Norway and, and finding that. Like, um, we see this uh, very much when you get uh, people joining in from outside. And as a new lending, as a foreigner, I, I see sometimes the kind of the general reaction of surprise, like rabbit in the headlights. This is a trick question. They're going to find out I don't really want to code C-sharp. I want to do F-sharp today, and they're going to fire me. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's a real, it's a, it's, and I think, you know what they say, happy people write happy code, write better code, and, and actually produce more. It's a huge thing um, if you look at Norwegians and probably the Swedish as well. Norwegians disappear at like 3 o'clock on a Friday. It's, it's just dead. There's a queues all heading up to the mountains. And, but in the U.S., to leave before your boss is insane. Why would you do I that? I thought that was in Japan. Yeah, but like, for example, my boss gave out to me one day. says, why are you here at 4.30? And I'm like, I'm waiting for a client. He goes, tell the client to ring me, go home and be with your wife and your kid and have, have dinner. I was like, okay, this is a trick, isn't he? He goes, nope, this is not a trick. <laughs> and I was, it, it confused me because I wasn't used to this concept of, my boss, you know, kind of saying, "Go home. It's you're, why are you here? You shouldn't be here." And that's, I think, that's a, a I think, a, a Scandinavian concept now. It's there's a better work-life balance here. I think hugely. Um, How is it about be the salary as a software developer? Is it uh, good or bad? Is it the same or uh, it depends in the area? Yeah, it it How many Mac, uh, Big Macs can you buy for your salary in New Zealand? I, I, I would say my salary in New Zealand while working there, which is now three years ago, compared to what I made in Sweden at the same time, was pretty much the same. Or rather, they called me, or I could, we, we Skyped, and they asked, how much money do you need? And I'm like, I look at what I have in Sweden, and then I added 20%, and I said, this is what I make in Sweden. <laughs> uh, Good boy, uh, well done. And, and then so, said, so if you're going to take nothing from this, ca- this yeah, podcast, so how to negotiate, yeah, add 20%. negotiation <laughs> is... Take what you've got, add 20 and say, that's what I have, but I'd rather go up than down. And then they said, we can't really give you that, but we'll give you this. And the salary came out to be pretty much like in Sweden. And the cost of living down there is half, wasn't it, or something? No, it's, it depends on what you do. Yes, getting drunk and eating food out is, is half, yeah. but, and getting a good car. Mm. But By house electri- uh, houses, house, houses, apartments are expensive as, as hell. It, it, I think I paid double the money down there for an apartment than I did in Sweden, but I chose to live in a posh place in a new apartment, so that might be the reason. But generally, overall, I think the cost of living was the same as Sweden. Because it comes down to your buying power. I, have, I know my salary in Norway is better than what I had in Ireland. It 
probably I could probably swing it to get the same probably in Ireland for the same buying power right now because of the skill set. It comes down to what you're able to negotiate as well. If you're going to sell yourself short, then you're probably going to knock in as much. But I see it in um, when I was in Australia. They offered me quite an substantial amount of money to stay there if I was going to be there. And my buying power would have been quite good. But now with the current economy down there, it's actually because they've nearly doubled in price and inflation, etc. But it's it's the little things that kind of uh, it's like money buys you so much but it can't buy you time off and it can't yeah. give you that kind of freedom to do what you want and there's, you'll see a lot of developers going I'm very happy here because I like this company they treat me well and I, I get paid enough that I can buy all my toys yeah. I've told my wife like and six weeks vacation. yeah exactly I've told my wife I said I'll, as long as I get enough money and kind of to buy my own toys you can have all the rest I don't care and that's the agreement. She said, that's brilliant. It works. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I've got the same opinion. It's also why I, we've been, or I've been looking at moving, leaving Sweden again, but I can't find a place to go. Cause the US no one will take you. Yeah, no <laughs> one will take me. No, the, the US would be the obvious way. Uh, going to Redmond would be an obvious one. I've partly sort of turned down work at Microsoft uh, once or twice. Uh, but mainly, I, I don't do that. I could probably make more money, but mainly it's that two weeks of vacation that they have that just screws it for me. So to me, salary is a big part, but to me, there are other things. It's the work-life balance. You get yeah. to the point where it's like, can I do the stuff that makes me happy in work, and can I do the stuff that makes me very happy outside of work, and do I have enough time to do that? And that, if you can hit that sweet spot where the company, like for example, my company is extremely good and generous about letting me talk around the world and uh, providing me with time to do so, and also encouraging me to do so, which gives me that kind of, oh cool, thank you for you know supporting me in one thing I want to do, and I work harder for them, and they, it's, I think it's one of those things that if you can find that nice balance, that is the kind of the sweet spot for it. So we are in the right place, in the right country here in Scandinavia. Right? Yeah, you've got it. You've got it made. You really do. Uh, there's a lot of stuff having worked in different environments and different corporations and stuff. Um, there's less. Well, to give you an example. My first day in Norway, I rock up in a full three-piece suit, shirt tie, the whole shooting gallery, and my wife is saying, "You're making a mistake." And I'm like, "No, honey. It's my first day at the job. I've got to make sure I'm dressed correctly." Cause you made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I was interviewed on a Friday, and everyone I'd met was dressed like Chris, like a clown. Uh, <laughs> if you, you, I'm so glad you can't see this in the podcast. Yeah, um, can we take a picture <laughs> for you, <laughs> please. But so. I was thought, okay, maybe it's just casual Friday. We're, you know, I've met everyone on a Friday. It's okay. So I rock up on the Monday. I'm in a three-piece suit. I meet the CEO, and he goes, nice tie. And I said, you know, uh, yeah, it's my own. And it turns out I'm better dressed than the CEO of a large company. And I'm like, okay. And then I said, guys, what's the dress code? And they said, the dress code is clothes. And <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that's good. So I'm, I, you can imagine you, you're there. You're, I am your new senior dev, and they're like, everyone's, you're in a suit. You're going to prison? I'm like, no, I'm, uh, I'm just here on my first day. And they said, okay, new sales guy. No, senior developer, prove it. What does the sharp yeah. in C stand? I'm like, huh? <laughs> it was like all these guys couldn't get that I was in a suit. And so the next day, of course, was uh, I, I stuck fast to my guns. I actually wore the tie the whole day. I said I took the jacket off, but I wore the tie. And then the next day, I turned up in jeans and T-shirt, and they were like, oh, thank God. We had a bet on to see would you actually do it tomorrow as well. It, right now, yeah, I would say if I walked into the office wearing a suit, the first question would be, have you gotten a, an, an interview at some point during the day? Or, or are, are, you go, are you going up in court or something? Yeah. <laughs> We're going to a funeral. Yeah, that one would be the one as well, yeah. In Ireland, they said, you know, what, what do you call an Irishman in a suit? The accused. 
The thing is, new, to me, it was the other way around. So moving from Sweden to New Zealand, I was used to being able to dress however I wanted. And, and as it shows. Yes, as it shows. And it's, it's, to be perfectly honest, this is going to sound weird. I but think it's, you're it's, looking really nice. Thanks. It's the, the thing with <laughs> you're my, colorblind, my clothes <laughs> is it's a conscious choice. It's yes. part of personal branding and all of that stuff. Exactly. And I've, I've made it a thing of doing that. And I would even do that while teaching. So I would go to different companies. I would rock in and... and teach different development departments how to do things and I would wear my kind of clothes and then I end up in New Zealand uh, and I get yelled at because there is a no sneaker policy which is annoying because I only wear sneakers uh, there is a you can't wear jeans anything else but jeans is okay really? Uh, yes there was and no, je- there no, was no, no je- jeans considering the Kiwis are yes, kind of yes, quite laid back no jeans and you had to have a, uh, a collar so I, I walked out and I, I bought that. That works for me because I, I have my shirts. But I walked out and I bought the cheapest, crappiest pair of chinos I can find at the cheapest store I could find, and they were fine with me bearing, wearing something that looked like a potato sack. And it Th- just, that the cat had dragged yes, it backwards. Yeah, that was okay. But my like four hundred dollar G Star raw denim jeans that I rocked was not okay because they were jeans. So I wore the, these crappy clothes all the time, and it was okay because they weren't jeans. And it just it just highlights the stupidity of, of certain things and cultural differences. And they would do it every year. They would tighten up the rules because they would go in and say, you have to wear this, 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 and everybody would do it. And then slowly it would degrade. And it would degrade to the point where I would come down to the su- support department, and there's a guy sitting there doing a conference call wearing a shirt, and then he Slack ends and it uh, and he stands up and he's wearing cycle pants and his cycle shoes yeah. and claps around, <laughs> click, 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 wearing that. And I'm like, what the hell? And he said, oh, well, I didn't have time to change. And then it went downhill and people started wearing flip-flops and shorts and everything. And then all of a sudden the company gets this impromptu meeting with a big client and all the devs are wearing shorts and t-shirts with holes in them and weird prints on it so they had to go and meet the ceo of that company wearing that which apparently ended up being a massive deal but like this is the thing i've I've, okay i've told all my consultants um as you get older in the business and stuff like that things you have in the back of your car you have a full suit you have a shirt and tie in the drawer you have deodorant and toothpaste in the drawer just in case you meet a client at any time however okay just just, just, just a question there are a few people in the crowd here is there anyone that has a suit in the back of your car Yes, I do. Okay, thank you. So, uh, and I'm the only person that put up. Guys, <laughs> listening to this, not a single hand came up except okay, for Nile. Can, Nile n- is weird. Yeah, but let's ask a question to your audience afterwards. Okay, how many of you find it extremely difficult to develop in a shirt and tie? You know, like does it does it feel like it constricts con- uh, creativity? Is it just because we we're told we have to dress a specific way, and it's told we have to follow this rule that it doesn't allow us to be creative? And it's something I had a discussion with. Um, I said I'm not client facing at the moment. So it doesn't matter what the client... The client doesn't see me. So why do I have to wear a shirt and tie in the office? And he goes, office rules. And I went... The cleaning lady. The cleaning lady. I <laughs> said, yeah, she's, uh, she's very nice. Um, but it, it was one of those things that I, I... It was another where I turned up in jeans and a T-shirt where I actually was meant... They said smart casual, which to them meant no tie. And I, of course, is like jeans and a T-shirt because I was smart casual. I was smart and I said, I'm casual. <laughs> Ta-da. But they, they yeah, I, I found that it would actually it made me feel a bit constricted even when I was developing uh, and stuff. Okay, fine. The, the, the clothes sometimes help when you have to 
portray the illusion that yes, this person's worth the money you're going to pay them because they've got a fine suit on. But it's Neil, not. We yeah. we have to take Sorry. the last question. <laughs> Sorry, uh, we will soon be re- needing this uh, this space. Uh, We have talked about culture outside Sweden, but of course, many of our teams today are international teams here in Sweden and Norway, of course. Uh, do you have some advice how to minimize the frictions and so on between different cultures? Be yeah. open about it. Mm. Be open about the, the differences. And when you when you hit those differences, I would actually say make a point of it so that all the people involved understand the differences leave people having those differences if necessary and let them have that other thing but it kind of depends on how your your team is spread out as well so right i used to work in a team where we were mostly in based at our office in sweden but then we would have one or two external developers from ukraine i think Uh, and they would come up, but if there's only one, I would say that they would probably have to abide by our situation a bit more than if I were a single developer working with an external team, I would have to abide by their rules. If you've got a 50-50 mix or whatever, make it a point of bringing up the differences as you see them, but leave them be if possible. And one other thing, if you get a chance, go from a virtual team to a physical team once in a while. Actually meet up, because that solves so many things. Like, for example, how your tone in your email uh, goes, (laughs) even just the, like, you know, I make jokes and the guy doesn't get it, and then when they meet you after a while, they get little things like that. We find that just even those things, and also... Like, for example, I work with a lot of Indian uh, uh, offshores. We, they have Diwali. So we, we made a big deal of having Diwali um, in our local office in Norway. What's uh, Diwali? Diwali is the equivalent of Christmas uh, for uh, an Indian culture and stuff like that. It's a very big deal. And I wanted to make sure that they, the people who were, they got to know that we were involved. And do it. Just share the cultural experience. It's, it's, it's not going to kill you. You'll enjoy it's it. It's awesome. Get yeah. a multicultural team with as many holidays as possible make sure you share them with them um, no but I agree but the, the face-to-face thing is really important uh, it has to be there so thank you and the next holiday if what I know about is the Chinese New Year so if you have Chinese we need Chinese developers yeah. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much uh, Neil you. and Chris for thank this uh, for interesting podcast about culture thank you mm-hmm.